I actually had a really blessed upbringing. I have to be honest. Um, I come from a really uh, grounded family background. Um, I have three brothers, so I'm one of four, the only girl. And uh, growing up with my brothers, we didn't want for anything. You know, we weren't the most well-off family in the world, but everything that we needed, our parents provided. Um, you know, a roof over our heads, food. We had good schooling and education. And one of the things that was really uh, a heavy emphasis for us from a very young age was uh, the importance of sports and being active. Um, our first sport, and I have to be, admit this, uh, was rugby. I think as it is for most New Zealanders, uh, I, rugby was the first sport that I played uh, with my young brothers back in Massey Rugby Club out in West Auckland. Um, and it wasn't actually until later in life that I got into football. And football was a bit different for me. Uh, rugby came via my family and my connections with my brothers. Uh, my dad was a coach. My mum was a rugby manager. But football was introduced to me through friends. It was a group of friends that introduced me. And I think for me, what I loved about football and that kind of made me navigate towards it was the feeling of belonging that it gave me. Um, just the feeling of, you know, being part of a team, being part of something bigger, celebrating, obviously, wins together, mourning our losses together. But just at that age, particularly when you're, you know, a young kid and turning into a teenager, the feeling of belonging is something that you value so much. It's so important. And that's what football gave me. And I, you could say that the passion I have for the game started back then. And when did you realize you were good at it and you, you know, you wanted to pursue it a bit further? To be honest, I, I in New Zealand, I never really made it to a super high level. You know, I, I played club. Um, I played in Waitakere. I played over the shore in Glenfield. I played for North Shore as well. So I did the rounds at a club level uh, in the kind of the top competition but I never really cracked it into the more representative teams. Uh, one year I made it to the provincial team. I trained hard. I loved the game. Um, I was very enthusiastic about it, but I was never one of the standout players, to be honest. Uh, it, it actually wasn't until years later when I went to Samoa uh, and started playing there. That's where I really stood out as a, as a standout player. And, uh, you know, I often joke about it with my friends and, and my family, you know, as soon as I got to Samoa, I was, you know, in the national team. I made it, you know, I was at a very high level in that country. Whereas in New Zealand, you know, I, I wasn't so great in terms of, you know, talent. Um, but for me, that's amazing. Like what an opportunity that it gave me, like going to Samoa. How many people can say that they, they put the national team jersey on and had the chance to represent their country, you know? So yeah, it may not have been to that level in New Zealand, but I take a lot of pride in what I was able to achieve in Samoa. What did that mean to you to represent Samoa? Oh, to be honest, growing up as a as a as an Afakasi in New Zealand, I always struggled a little bit with my identity because we were raised really as Kiwi kids. Um, my mum is full Samoan, my dad is Dutch, but essentially we were raised as New Zealanders. And we never really had a lot of exposure to our Samoan side. We didn't speak Samoan at home. And the only time I really saw it was if there was a falavilave, like a wedding or a funeral or, you know, some kind of family get together. 
Um, so I never really truly identified or connected so strongly with, with that side of my, my family and my culture. But I was always curious about it. I was always drawn to it. And later, when I was able to move to Samoa and spend time there, it changed my life coming to know the culture and understanding my roots. It really helped me to feel grounded in who I am as a person. And growing on that, you know, being able to represent the national team, I mean, the pride that comes with that. Once you understand your identity and how you are connected to your roots culturally, to then be able to stand in front of a crowd and represent that country, for me, the level of pride was absolutely massive. And then, obviously, you went from being a player to an administrator. Yes. Why? How did you, you know, decide (laughs) to make that switch? So I have a background in banking and finance. Um, My first job out of school was working as a bank teller. That's what they called it back in those days. We were taking in uh, deposits and processing withdrawals, right? So that was my first real job out of school. And I stayed in that industry for 10 years, like working through various roles. And something that I really credit uh, for my time in that industry was the structure that I learned about working in a corporate environment, about following rules, regulations, understanding how to work in a big organization. Um, I took a lot away from that experience there. So with that background, and obviously with the love of football, I came across an opportunity while I was in Samoa. I was there uh, actually to, it was my first visit to the country. to get to know my mother's family and understand more about my culture. And while I was there, there was a job advertised in the Samoan Observer for the finance manager of the Federation. And I saw it and it jumped at me because, you know, I love the game. I love to play. Finance is my work. It's what I do every day. I just thought that's a perfect marriage of my, you know, my home work life and my, my, my passion for the game. So I ended up throwing my hat in the ring and yeah, that that short holiday ended up being a a six-year stay. I got my Samoan citizenship. Uh, You know, I I got obviously to know much, much more about what it is to be Samoan and it started off my career in football. That's quite a massive change, you know, to you're just there for a holiday and then all of a sudden you're (laughs) staying there for six years. What was that like? Was that tough? It was a shock at first, I have to say, especially for my family. (laughs) I don't think anyone expected that from me at all. Uh, And and the transition was also, for me, tough. You know, in the beginning, I felt very, very much like an outsider. You know, I couldn't speak the language. They viewed me as a palangi. You know, I have already, you know, pretty fair skin, but without knowing the language or the culture, I was really looked at as an outsider. And also being a woman and coming into football, it it wasn't a welcoming environment at the beginning. It was a very male dominated environment. And you don't immediately get the respect that for example, a male would walking into that same situation. So at the beginning, it was really tough. And whilst I was enjoying my time in Samoa, you know, making that transition into working there, working in football, 
um, and, and trying to, you know, bring the federation to a, a higher level was super challenging at the beginning. Yeah, because you actually appointed, um, you know, at a really critical time then, wasn't it? Because um, the I know the Samoa football were suspended for the misuse of funds when you came in. What was the most, was that the most challenging for you, more of having that respect or the work side? What was more challenging for you? If anything, the work side is actually what helped me to earn the respect. So for sure, the challenge was, you know, being in a situation where I was treated like an outsider, but applying myself to the job, being well prepared, doing everything that I could do uh, to the best of my ability in the job. In the end, that's what earned me the respect of everybody. You know, uh, once they started to see the fruit of what I was doing, that's where people started to open up and yeah, it was a really tough time. Samoa had been suspended. And unfortunately, like we see in so many sports, not just in the Pacific, but all around the world, you know, the previous administration were corrupt and the sport was at a standstill. It was shocking. Like there was no football taking place. The facilities were in disrepair. There was no football to speak of in the country. So we really had to rebuild it from scratch. The reputation of the Federation was in tatters because they owed a lot of money. So, you know, the banks weren't talking to us. We couldn't get meetings with any of the organizations, sponsors. We had a terrible reputation and it took a lot of time to rebuild that. And I think that the efforts I made towards that and the passion that I had for it to grow it again, people saw that and that's what helped me to find my place there. Well, they definitely saw it. I saw something, saw your, all your hard work because you, <laughs> you, you went on to, uh, you were appointed as a CEO and you went on to OFC as the Deputy Secretary General and now eventually FIFA's first Chief Women's Football Officer. How <laughs> incredible is that? Can, like, it's so awesome to see someone, you know, a Pacific New Zealand born woman in that role. So what's it been like for you? <laughs> Well, I think the first thing I have to say is that I'm very, very blessed. I'm very, very blessed. And, uh, you know, I, I think that God has a purpose for me. And I think I'm exactly where he wants me to be. And, uh, you know, I see what I do. It, it's a service. I live and exist to serve others. And I'm in a position now which is absolutely incredible. You know, I can impact so many people all over the world. Uh, especially women and girls and for me that's a blessing and it's a privilege but it's also something that I don't take lightly at all um, and what I learned in Samoa especially is really what grounds me in this role like the the basic values of Samoa and and what we the way that you embody that can really carry you through in a position like this and it's something that I think especially when I talk to people from back home in Samoa and New Zealand, for anywhere in the Pacific, I think we take it for granted. We don't actually see how valuable our culture and traditions are and how the values that are instilled in us growing up in that environment, how we can actually transfer those into a corporate setting or a business setting and how it can work for us. So yeah, I'm, I'm really, really privileged. It's uh, I can't believe starting off in a small island in the Pacific like Samoa to now 
being where I am, I still pinch myself. Um, but my family and friends do a very good job of keeping me grounded, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Just that experience of, you know, going to Samoa really must have been a blessing as well in disguise because going onto those roles um, at FIFA, you know, I'm sure you would have still come across some challenges, you know, being a woman. Do you think that did set you up for those roles? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. If it wasn't for those six years that I spent in Samoa, there's no way I would be sitting here today talking to you from Zurich. No way. So much of what I learned has given me valuable, valuable experience for what I do now. And it was even a blessing that it was in such a state when I arrived because I had a hands-on experience of rebuilding a sport from zero. So I really got to understand what are the ins and outs of growing something from nothing? What are the challenges? What works? What doesn't? And that helps me because now when I travel to Africa or into Asia or different countries, I can totally relate to what those countries are going through and the challenges that they face because I've been there. So yeah, for sure, the learnings I had in Samoa, also dealing with, you know, the fact of being an outsider, of being a woman in a male-dominated uh, industry, that helped me tremendously. And yeah, I have a big love for Samoa um, and my time there. I mean, I also met my husband there, so it really did change my life. <laughs> uh, I know you're obviously also a strong advocate for uh, girls and women playing football, um, and especially the, the number of women in leadership roles. To you, what does the future of women's football look like? It's bright. It's really bright, especially in the Pacific and in the OFC region. We've got the Women's World Cup in 2023 uh, co-hosted across New Zealand and Australia. That is the single biggest female sporting event in the world. We had in France in 2019, more than 1.1 billion people all around the world tuning in to watch that. Uh, there were more than 1 million fans filling the stadiums. I don't think people quite grasp how massive that event is. But what excites me the most is not the event itself, it's the impact that it's going to have in the Pacific and in New Zealand. It's going to be huge. And we have to work very, very closely with both New Zealand football, the New Zealand government and the Pacific region to leverage it. Because that's the key. It's one thing to hold the event, but knowing the impact that it has, you have to really leverage that. And for me, that is going to be the catalyst to boost women's football in our region to the next level. It's bright. I think there are going to be many more women like me in decision-making positions. I think it's going to become the sport of choice uh, for young girls and women who are wanting to enter into sports. Uh, and I also think that we're going to see it become more competitive. You know, Pacific has never been seen as a region that's strong on a competitive level, but there's nothing like a World Cup dangled in front of you to give you that carrot to really accelerate, you know? So, no, I'm very, very positive and optimistic about women's football uh, in the region. <laughs>